Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. In his first two chapters, the Gospel of Luke gives us three songs, all surrounding the story of first John and then Jesus' births. Each of these songs has made its way into the regular worship of the church today. And in that context, we call them canticles. From its very beginning, the church has used these songs regularly in our worship. And while we use them all year round, they are, of course, especially meaningful this time of year. First is the song of Zechariah, called in the tradition the Benedictus. Church canticles are usually named after their first words in Latin. So here it's simply blessed, the first word of Zechariah's song. Zechariah, you remember, had not believed the angel's word to him that he and his wife Elizabeth would have a son in their old age. So the angel had given him a sign. He would not be able to speak until the child was born. Apparently Amanda has lost her voice. I'll, I'll let you draw your own conclusions about that. It's a wonderful sign, by the way. Um, I'm sure it was terribly inconvenient for him. <laughs> but there's a kind of humor in it, too, I think. Uh, in the face of Zechariah's disbelief, the angel effectually says to him, Shh, <laughs> and gives Zechariah nine months to ponder his own foolishness. As he watches, growing in his wife's body, the truth of the angel's word. And so when the baby arrives, everyone assumes they'll name him after his father, Zechariah. But Zechariah says no. And he writes on a writing tablet. I assume that was the system they'd worked out for him to communicate to people. Uh, that his name would be John instead. This, of course, was in obedience to the angel's word. Zechariah is now showing that he does, in fact, accept and believe what the angel had told him. And his tongue is loosed. And after not speaking for nine months, out of him pours this wonderful song, the Benedictus, which extols the faithfulness of God to his people to bring salvation exactly as he had promised that he would and also rejoices that Zechariah's own son, John, would herald the coming of the promised Messiah. The first words John had said, uh, Zechariah had said for nine months. We say the Benedictus in morning prayer every morning. It comes after the second lesson. The second canticle, uh, I'm actually reversing them because in Luke 1, the Magnificat comes first, but... Um, the church kind of reorders in that way in our worship. The second canticle is Magnificat, the song of Mary, after the angel had visited her. She goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, as you remember, and the baby John inside Elizabeth recognizes the baby Jesus inside Mary and leaps for joy. And Elizabeth tells Mary this, and Mary responds by singing the Magnificat, a song of joyous praise and wonder, that God would accomplish his salvation through her. Like the Benedictus, the Magnificat also marvels that God has acted in the fullness of time 
exactly as he had promised that he would, and that this promised Savior would cast down the mighty and lift up the lowly, beginning, of course, with Mary herself. The Magnificat also is part of our daily worship. We normally say it after the first lesson in evening prayer. The third canticle comes in our gospel reading this morning. It's the song of faithful Simeon. Luke says that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon was now very old, it says. Imagine that. Simeon knew that he was reaching the end of his life. And yet the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen, seen the Lord's Messiah. He knew it was imminent. I don't suppose he knew exactly what he was looking for, but he was looking. Every day he must have gotten up and thought, what if it's today? He was constantly on the lookout. And in that, he is an example to us too. God's salvation is coming. What will it look like? Who will it be? And now the Spirit tells Simeon to go into the temple courts. And there he finds this simple family circumcising their child on the eighth day and offering the sacrifice the law required. Today, of course, January 1st, is the eighth day after Christmas. And so it is the feast of the name of Jesus. It's the day of Jesus' circumcision, the day when he was named at the temple, and the day that Simeon sang his blessed song. Simeon recognizes the child, or better, the Holy Spirit reveals to him that this baby is the promised Messiah. And like Zechariah and Mary had already done, he bursts out with song. He says, now I can die in peace because I have seen your salvation. What's striking about Simeon's song is that he doesn't yet know how God will save through this baby. He has not seen the end of the story. Simeon only sees the beginning. But that's enough for him. It still requires faith to believe that God will save his people through this humble baby from this poor family. But Simeon has no trouble believing it. He sees with his own aged eyes that God has indeed acted. And now he says, I can die in peace. Simeon says that this baby is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. In this, he evokes Isaiah 60, where the city of God is lit up with the light of revelation and all the kings of the Gentiles stream to it. So Simeon is pointing beyond Christmas itself into Epiphany, which we'll be coming to quite soon. Simeon's song is called the Nunc Dimittis, which in Latin means, now let depart, the first words of the canticle. We sing it in evening prayer after the second lesson, but it's also part of our Compline prayers, which we say together on Wednesday nights on our weekly Zoom call. It's perfect for Compline, and this is something I think about 
most every Wednesday night. We say Compline just before bedtime. It's a service of trust in God in the midst of darkness, the coming of night. Amid the darkness of the world, amid our own vulnerability and weakness, we confess our trust in God. And what better prayer to say? Scripture often draws a connection between sleep and death. Simeon can now die in peace, in simple faith, knowing that God has been as good as his word. And we too can lie down to sleep in simple faith, confessing with Simeon that God has acted in the world just as he promised he would. Amid all this uncertainty and fear of our world and of our own lives, we can rest in peace, not only in our beds at night, where you, like me, (laughs) may often be prey to fears and anxieties. We can also lay down at the end of our lives in death in this same faith. Our death may not be as imminent as Simeon's, but it might be. We don't know. The hymn says, swift to its end ebbs out life's little day. In life, in death, abide with me. Like Simeon, we don't know the end of the story. We know more than he did. We have the rest of the story of Jesus, his life and ministry, his death and resurrection. We have the New Testament scriptures. But we still have not seen the end. We still wonder what will happen next. We're still waiting for the next advent of the Christ. So in many ways, Simeon's perspective is our perspective. We haven't seen the end, but we have seen what Simeon saw. The salvation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is enough. Praise be to God, that is enough. Today, the eighth day after Christmas, is the feast of the name of Jesus, as we've said, the day when Jesus was circumcised and named at the temple. Jesus' name, of course, both reveals and confirms who he is. He is Jesus, the Savior, the Deliverer, the one who will save his people from their sins. So when Joseph and Mary named their child what the angel told them to name him, they are acting in a kind of amazed obedience. They are acknowledging that this baby is indeed who the angel said he was. How filled with wonder they must have been. Just to name this baby Jesus was itself an act of faith on their part. Jesus' name is a recognition and celebration of the identity of this child. Like Jesus' name itself, all three of the canticles in Luke's gospel, Zechariah's, Mary's, and Simeon's, both reveal and confirm the identity of this child. They all recognize that God has finally acted, just as he promised, and they all celebrate different aspects of his identity and his salvation. It's impossible to read these canticles without sensing the joy 
and the wonder that leap off the page from them. They are filled with wonder and surprise and celebration. Zechariah, Mary, and Simeon can scarcely believe what they themselves are saying, and yet they do believe it. Each of them has responded to the word of God with faithful obedience. In Zechariah's case, it took a little while. But as a result, they are each given the vision, a glimpse of God's salvation. And their response is the only appropriate response, to erupt in joyous song. Songs so beautiful and so perfect that the church has been singing them ever since. May we, like they did, receive the word of God's promise with simple obedience and faith. And may we too receive the same joy and the same wonder. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.